Years ago, a few years ago, I don't know how many, three or four years ago, I preached through the whole book of Daniel. And I took the book of Daniel and I, I went chapter by chapter and preached each chapter of the book of Daniel. And I, this is the way I'm going to do the book of Revelation. Now, don't fret. I'm not going to do this every Sunday. I'm not going to preach every Sunday. It's not going to be a, a sermon on the book of Revelation. I'm going to break it up. I might go two Sundays without preaching the book of Revelation and go back to it. I'm not, every Sunday that I preach the book of Revelation, I'm not going to preach the whole chapter. Sometimes I'm going to preach maybe combine two chapters. Like when I preach chapter 2 and 3, they go together perfectly. I'm going to preach those together. But what you'll do if you'll come in and listen and sit down and open up your Bible, you're going to get a good idea about the book of Revelation. You're going to good idea, get a good idea about end time events. You're going to get a good idea of what the book of Revelation is about. I've had some people ask me like, well, I'm interested about the book of Revelation. And I taught on the book of Revelation just a few years ago. I did a whole study on it. It took me years to, a couple years to go through it. So I'm not going to go real deep, but I'm going to give you the, the overview. You will understand it. You will understand the book of Revelation if you sit through these sermons. You'll get a good idea. Now, I'll let you know if you're coming in here visiting, if you don't know much about me, I'm premillennial. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back to set up a kingdom and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. That's what premillennial means. I'm, I'm, I'm a pre-tribulation rapture. That means I believe that Jesus Christ is going to rapture out the church before the great tribulation period of Revelation 6, 7, 8, all the way up to Revelation 18. Now, if you don't understand what that means when I just said it, don't fret. I will explain those things as I preach through the book of Revelation. But the main thing is, I can guarantee you, this is the only guarantee I can get you. I can't guarantee you that you're comfortable this morning. I can't guarantee you that you're going to uh, hear some good preaching. I can't guarantee you're going to hear some good singing. But I can guarantee you this. When, since you, when you walked in these doors and you're still here this morning, I can guarantee you you're going to get a blessing. Not because of me, but I'm about to read it to you. Now, some of y'all go, that's pretty arrogant. That's I'm, I'm about to read it to you, that the, what the Bible says. Now go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Let's just pick it up. Let's just get right into it. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. Blessed. Look at verse 3. This is why I said what I just said about getting a blessing this morning. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So that verse, five, verse 3 tells you, this is the only book of the Bible that promises if you'll hear it being read, if you'll listen this morning, or you will read it yourself, you will get a blessing. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you bless this sermon, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us. Father, I pray you open up this book, Lord. I pray it come alive in our laps. Help us to understand it, Lord. Help us to comprehend it. Lord, we know we can't have any of those things without your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I pray if there's somebody who needs the sound of my voice, that's never put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father. I pray, Lord God, that they would see the, the need, Lord, that they're a sinner. And, that, and they would see the truth, Lord God, that you are the only way through Jesus Christ. That he's the only way and that he died for their sins. That he was buried and he rose again on the third day. So they would have a way to get into heaven, Lord. And I pray, Lord, they'd make that decision to put their trust into Jesus Christ and put their faith on him, Lord God. And I thank you for that opportunity and that, and that availability 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'll bless the rest of these services. Hide me behind the cross, Lord God, in Jesus Christ. Holy name I pray. Amen. All right, so let's get back into Revelation 1.1. Look at Revelation 1.1. Let's break this down. Let's do the best we can to break this down. We're gonna, this is going to be a sermon as much as it is going to be a teaching. The revelation of Jesus Christ. This isn't a revelation of St. John the Divine. Now that's what your Bible might say up there. It says, my Bible says the revelation of St. John Divine. In a way it is because it's written by St. John, but actually it's Jesus Christ's revelation. He has the truth and he's going to give it to John and John is being told by Jesus Christ to give it to us, to everyone that's sitting in this room. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, God gave it unto Jesus, revealed it unto him to show unto his servants Things which must shortly come to pass. This book is written for you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, this book is written for you. It's for you to read. It's for you to hear. It's for you to understand. So I've had some Christians come to me and say, well, I don't read the book of Revelation. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, I don't understand it. It's kind of scary. I don't think I should read it. I'm like, brother, sister, this is the only book that's promised you'll get a blessing if you read it. And number two, it's written directly to you. It's for you. And it's to show you things that are about to come to pass. It says, shortly at hand. And it said, which must shortly come to pass. If it was shortly going to come to pass 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we today? Amen. We're pretty close. Amen. And he sent and signified, by, uh, signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Verse 2. Who bear record. Talking about John. Who bear record of the word of God. Notice, lowercase w. This isn't the word of God, some pine idea of Jesus Christ. He was given the testimony and he was bearing record of the words the word, lowercase w, these words, he was given the testimony of the words, the, 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 what God said, he was given a record of that and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So what's, the what's the testimony of Jesus Christ? Well, when we finally get to it in Revelation 19, it tells us the testimony of Jesus Christ is simply this, the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19, 11, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of of prophecy. What's that mean, Pastor? What that means is, can you raise your hand this morning and know where you're going to go when you die? I can. I know I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Are you sure? I know I'm going. Well, you know what you're doing? You're prophesying. How are you prophesying? You know, you're saying what's going to happen in the future, and you know it's going to happen. How do you know for sure? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 3. Blessed. I just talked about that. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So it doesn't matter if you're in here this morning, you're like, well, I'm not a very good reader, pastor. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to read. I didn't bring my Bible. That's fine. Just sit back and listen, and the Bible promises. Even if you're just listening, you're going to get blessed by hearing these words that Jesus Christ told John to write down. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep, keep, those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. You need to keep these words. This Bible doesn't need to be changed. This Bible doesn't need to be fiddled with. And there's lots of warnings in the Bible about messing with God's words. If you keep your hand here, but turn to Revelation 22. Turn to Revelation 22. Go to the very back. Look at the warning. I'll go ahead and give you the warning about this. Revelation 22. Go to Revelation 22, verse 18. Revelation 22, verse 18. There's some warnings about that. 
Boy, I don't mess with this book. I don't, I don't mess with this book at all. Now, I don't say I understand everything about this book, especially this book of Revelation. I'm not going to pretend to try to pull the wool over your eyes that I, believe, I understand everything about this book. I believe everything in this book, but I can't explain everything in this book. But there's some warnings there. Look at Revelation 22, 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Well, that's scary enough right there. Well, I'm going to mess with it and tinker with it. And see, what you'll find out in a lot of the newer versions, they like to take things away. They like to take things away. And look at verse 19. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Boy, that's, a, God, that's scary. And I, I'm a Baptist. I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. I believe in eternal security. I believe once you're saved, you can't get unsaved. Once you're born into the family of God, you can't get unborn. I'm as strong an eternal security guy as you can find, and I've got all the verses to show you, but when it comes to Revelation chapter 22, that makes me swallow. Like, ooh, okay, I'm not messing with this, this book right here. Back in Revelation chapter 1, I'm not going to mess with this book right here. I'm going to leave this book alone. There's warnings about messing with God's word in this book. That's how important this book is to you guys. This book's very important to you guys, and Jesus Christ thinks you need to hear everything in it. There's not nothing in here that needs to be took out. There's not nothing that needs to be added to. It's perfect in every way, and Jesus Christ wants you to have it just like he wrote it down, just like he told John to write it. So back in Revelation 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. So when uh, the Bible says Asia there, what he's talking about in modern day would be modern day Asia Minor, which would include like Turkey, Iraq, Iran, that little area right there. When we hear Asia today, we think far Asia like China over there in the east, and I've got a map up here like over in the east. But what he's saying there, Asia, he's talking about what we would call modern day Asia, Asia Minor. And that's going to play out when we see the seven churches that are listed. They're all in what we call modern day Asia. Asia Minor. So he's saying, John, I'm writing this letter to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. There's a lot to unpack in there. He says about Jesus Christ, he's obviously talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, which is and which was which is to come. Which is, right now, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, is our high priest. He's a priest. He's our high priest. He makes intercession for us up in heaven. As we're sinning, He's making intercession for us between us and the Lord God, our Father. He is a high priest. And He was. Which was? What was Christ? He was a prophet. He was a suffering prophet. He came as a prophet. He came to the world as a prophet in the first testament, in the, I mean, in the first advent. He came as a prophet. He came to Israel as a prophet. He was a prophet. And which is to come? What is he to come? He's coming as a king. <laughs> king of kings. You know, you see that in the gifts of the wise men. When the wise men come in to give the gifts to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they give them the gift of frankincense, of myrrh, and of gold. That frankincense represents the priesthood. That frankincense is used by a priest, and he'd put it in the little censer, and he'd smoke it up, and it represented the prayers going up to God. That frankincense was a gift for a priest. That myrrh was a gift of embalming. It was a strange gift to give. 
It was a gift they used to embalm a dead body. That represented a suffering prophet. A prophet that was going to die for the sins of the world. And then that gold, everybody in this room knows that gold represented kingship. So you had frankincense, myrrh, and gold. All three of those, the priest, the prophet, and the king. And our Lord and Savior is, he was, and he's going to come. And it says there, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. If you know anything about the Lord God, you probably have heard about this, but the Lord, our Lord God, Jehovah, he manifests out. He manifests out in three different ways. He manifests out as a trinity. He manifests out as a father. He manifests out as a son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he manifests out as a Holy Spirit, as a Holy Ghost, as a spirit. He manifests out in three different ways. Now, to try to understand the trinity and try to wrap your mind around that, you say, how can God be, be one but be three different people? It's like everybody in this room. If you look at me, I'm a husband. I'm a husband to my wife. I'm a friend to Brother Stewart. I'm a husband, I'm a friend, but then I'm a father to my son. I'm a husband, father, and a friend. Now, the way I manifest out myself to my wife when I give her a kiss and hug her is not the same way I manifest out to Brother Stewart. I just shake his hand. We might give a little shoulder hug every once in a while, but there ain't no kissing going on, right, Brother Stewart? It's not the same Keegan. This lady here knows Keegan different than this man here knows Keegan. And my son, I don't go over and spank Brother Stewart when he misbehaves, but my son, I spank my son when he misbehaves. Y'all getting it? I'm one Keegan, I'm one man, but I manifest myself out in three different ways. That's our Lord God, Jehovah. He's a trinity. He manifests himself out as a father. He manifests himself out as a son, the son of man, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And then finally, he manifests himself, himself out as a spirit. So inside that Holy Spirit, the spirit itself, it says there's seven spirits. The Holy Spirit, he manifests himself out in seven different ways. And understanding and counseling and might. And the fear of the Lord. All those are listed in Isaiah 11. If you're taking notes, just write down Isaiah 11, verse 12, and you'll see all those different uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, how he'll manifest himself. It's the same spirit, but he's manifesting himself out in seven different ways. Look at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead. He's the first one to come up and not go back down. There's been other people God's resurrected through history, and God's resurrected, but they went back in the grave. Jesus is the first begotten of the dead. He came up, and he's never going to die again. We were just singing about it. He arose, he's never going to die again. And guys, I'm here to tell you, if you'll get into Jesus Christ, you'll never die again either. You know what Jesus Christ said? He that believes in me will never see death. Now, meditate on that. You might take your last breath in this body, but when you take your last breath in this body, you're going to wake up and you're going to see an angel and he's going to take you on into heaven. You're never going to see death. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you take your last breath, your eyes are going to open up and you're going to see death. You will see death. But not with Jesus Christ, you'll see no death. Amen. Hope you grab a hold of that. Hope you understand it. He's the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him, he's the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, Amen. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. Praise God. Man, this should get you excited. You see what that verse says there at the end of verse 5? It says he loves you. He loves you and you're a sinner, amen. Can you say amen that you're a sinner? 
I'm a sinner. Amen, I'm a sinner. He loved you. He washed you from your sins. And how? In His own blood. <laughs> Praise God. See, what makes me want to be a witness for Jesus Christ, what makes me want to be a, uh, have a testimony for Jesus Christ, what sends me sometimes with Brother Henry, when we go into the jails there in, in Gatesville, when we go in there to those maximum security prisons, and those guys are all locked up, and I'm like, I'm going into, from cell to cell, and I'm trying to witness these guys. What brings me to do that is because I've got a Savior that loves those guys. Right where they're at. Well, they don't love Him. I know that. But He loves them. Keep, keep your hand here and turn to, turn to Romans chapter 5. Man, if you get anything out of this sermon this morning, get this. Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus Christ died for sinners. Jesus Christ died for those that don't love Him. That's Him. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He didn't just die for the good people. He didn't just die for the people that say, Oh, I love Jesus. Okay, I'll die for you. No, He died for you while you were His enemy. Praise God. Man, this is good stuff here. This is good Bible stuff. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. If you don't already know these scriptures, you need to know them. But God commendeth His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get good and to say, okay, you're doing a lot better now, I'll die for you. No, He says, I'm going to die for you because you're a wicked sinner and you need it. Praise God, because I needed it. And I'm here to tell you, if you're out there and you, you're, you know you're a sinner, you know you got some sins you're going to answer for, Jesus Christ will take you and wash you with His own blood, and you'll be white as snow. And, you know, and I'm here to tell you, He loves you in the state you're at. He wants to take you and clean you up. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. There's that wrath, being saved from the wrath. For if, look at verse 10, guys. For in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You were an enemy with God, and He came down and saved you. That's why Christ tells us as Christians we should love our enemies. Why does Christ stress that so much? Love your enemies, love your enemies. Because that's what He's doing. He's loving us, and we're enemies with Him. Back in Revelation chapter 1. Guys, that Revelation 1, 5, that's a good verse. Revelation 1, 5, that's a really good verse. Who loved us, him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's how you got it. It's not just the death on the cross. It's that blood he shed on the cross. That's why these old hymns we sing, we like to sing these old hymns, because they're going to sing about the blood of Jesus Christ. If you see some of these new songs, some of these new Christian songs, some of them are okay, but most of them are not very good. And you say, well, why are they not very good? Why does it not touch me? Why, does I not, why do I not feel like the, really the Holy Spirit's moving? Because it's not singing about the blood. They've forgotten about Jesus Christ, and they've forgotten about the blood. And when you take the blood out of this book, it's worthless. It's the blood. And you're going to sing it. They're going to, you're going to see this through the book of Revelation. It's all about the blood of Jesus Christ and what it can do for you. Verse 6, and he hath made us, us, believers in Christ, kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you know those, your neighbor right there that's sitting with you on that pew? He's a king or a priest. 
She's a king or a priest. That's what the Bible says. He's making us kings and priests. Why? Because we're going to be with him in the millennial kingdom. As he rules and reigns this whole earth, he's going to have us help him rule and reign this whole earth for a thousand years. That's a millennial kingdom. And I'll show you that when we get into it in Revelation 20. That's kind of a strange thing to think. But you know you're a prince and a princess? Do you know you're a child of a king? We forget that sometimes. We forget that we have a loving father. He's the creator of this universe. And we're a child of a king. It's kind of humbling. Because I know I don't act like a... Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, act like, I act like one of them princes from over in England. What's that one that come over to Canada and stirring up all the trouble, the big idiot? What's his name? Harry or... Harry, yeah, the one that's married, what's her name, and he's always up there trying to run down America for what we don't do that he thinks we should do. It's like, go back to England, dude. They don't even want you. Don't tell us what to do. That's the kind of prince I would be, just an idiot. But I'm thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ that he does look at me as a prince. He does look at us as princes. Look at verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Talking about Jesus. He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. It says he cometh with the clouds. That represents us. The clouds represents the saints. When he comes back, the saints are with him, and that's represented in type by the clouds. It comes, comes with the clouds, and it says there in verse 7, And every eye shall see him. It's obviously not talking about the rapture. That's talking about the actual second coming of Jesus Christ. We're going to read about that in Revelation 19. When he comes back and every eye shall see him. He's going to come back and it says that even they and they also which pierced him. Who's that? That's a Jew. The Jew that pierced him. It's obviously referring back to the cross. See in Zechariah chapter 12. I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Zechariah chapter 12. There's a prophecy of this. In Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. And it says, God says, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. That's a prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's the Lord God, Jehovah, saying they're going to look upon me because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. They're going to look upon me whom they have pierced. And that's what they did. They pierced him on the cross. They even, put a, uh, they even put a sword, I mean a spear into his side. You say the Romans did that. The Lord used the Romans to do that, but the Jews are the one to crucify him. Crucify him, crucify him. Why should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Is that not what they said in the Bible? Now, have you looked at church history for 2,000 years? Now, when I say this, there's nobody in this room that loves Israel more than me. There's nobody in this room that loves the Jew more than me. But if you look at the history of the Jew, it's been 2,000 years of them paying for Jesus Christ's blood. If you look at the Holocaust, the Holocaust alone, 6 million of them. Yeah, they, they paid for it, all right. Let his blood be upon us and our children, and it has been. And they're going to look, in, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, they're going to look, and they also which pierced him, and notice... And all kindreds, everybody, no matter what race you are of the earth, shall well because of him, shall well because of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes back the second time, this isn't like the first coming. 
The second time, he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. He came the first time as a lamb, as a sacrifice, as the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. The second coming, the one we're going to study about in the book of Revelation, he comes back as a lion roaring out of Jerusalem. He's a king. And when a lion shows up, he's going to be just ripping people apart. He's going to make them subdue. The Bible says he'll rule the world with a rod of iron. There won't be no more of this nonsense going on in the world right now. None of it. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to straighten all this mess out. Amen. That should give an amen if anything does. You want to vote Biden out, just let Jesus Christ come back. And he won't let Trump in either. He said, you know, I'm here to tell you. There's a bunch of morons in America. I didn't vote for Jesus. It don't, you don't vote for a king, silly. A king does what he wants to do. It don't matter if you voted for him or not. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. And he's coming back, and all the earth's going to will because of him. It's a scary thing. It's a terrifying thing. But for us Christians, if you're in this room and you're a Christian, and you hear me say Jesus Christ is coming back, it should bring a smile to your face. You should be like, yeah, okay, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I've got a Christian friend of mine. Every time I run to him, you know what he says? Man, I can't wait for the Lord to come back. I can't wait for the Lord. To I kind of feel convicted because I don't mention it as much as he does. I can't wait for the Lord to come back. I'm tired of this world. Verse 8, Jesus Christ speaks here. Look at verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty, that's a title of God. You're seeing Jesus Christ claim he's God again there when he says, I'm the Almighty. But notice he says that which is, which is to come, which was and which is to come. We talked about that earlier. But the first of verse 8, he says, I'm Alpha and Omega. Beginning letter of the Greek alphabet, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. He's saying, I'm the A and I'm the Z. It begins with me and it's going to end with me. Not only is this the written word, this is the spoken word. Jesus Christ is not only the Word, capital W. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He not only is the Word, the written word, he's actually the mouthpiece of God. He's the spoken word. And that's what he's saying. You want the truth? You want the truth of God? You want to get into God? You want the whole truth of God? You've got to go through Jesus Christ. He's the beginning and He's the end. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. Nothing's going to happen unless He says it, and nothing's going to end unless He says it. That's Jesus Christ. you got the best one in Jesus Christ. You chose the right one, brothers and sisters, when you chose to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now the world will tell you, oh, you can pick Muhammad or Buddha or Shintoism, and you can pick Wiccan, and they tell you all these different religions. But when you get to studying it out, man, they're silly. They're manure. They're the sewer compared to Jesus Christ. He's the real deal. Man, I can't get an amen on that. Man, y'all kind of quiet this morning. Y'all had a long weekend? Man, I had a long weekend too, but I still get excited for Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. This is good stuff. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. So he's dealing with some stuff. And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he got thrown in prison. He got thrown on this isle prison that was called Patmos because he was preaching Jesus Christ. They didn't like it. He's preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They threw him in there. Verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet 
So here's this voice behind him. It sounds like a loud trumpet. And look what it's saying, verse 11. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto, send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and to Pergamos, and to Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. He lists them out, seven churches. What's interesting about that is that Paul, the greatest Christian to ever live, he wrote seven times to seven different churches. He wrote more than seven times, but he wrote to seven different churches. He wrote to the Romans, the Roman church, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, Colossians, and then he wrote to Thessalonians. He wrote to seven different churches, just like John here is writing to seven different churches. Let me, let me say this to you this morning, and this is going to be really good for you because you made your way into church this morning. So you're going to like this. This is going to step on people's toes that aren't in here at church this morning. Jesus Christ didn't say write this and send it to everybody sitting at home on their couch. You notice that? He didn't say, hey, write this letter, John, and I want you to send this book out to everybody that's sitting on the couch or is out fishing in the boat trying to get close to God that doesn't believe in assembling together. All those. No, Jesus Christ says, you, I want you to write this and write it and send it to the churches and send it to these seven churches. So if you weren't in the church, brothers and sisters, if you weren't attending one of these seven churches, guess what? You didn't get the letter. I'm here to tell you, and I hit this hard a lot, but you need to be in church, and it don't have to be this church. Let me, let me, it doesn't have to be Indian Gap, but you need to be in an assembly of believers. I cannot stress to you enough the prayer that goes on with the believers, the way we take care of each other, the, the Holy Spirit moves, you get, you get preached at, you get, the, you get taught, you get to learn, you get around other believers that encourage you, all that stuff that goes on in the church, and also Jesus Christ, He's working through the church. Not just the church as a body, the church as a whole, which is called the body of Christ, but is a local assembly. He's working through different local assemblies in Asia. He lists them out. Ephesus, Smyrna, there's seven of them. So if you, weren't a, if you were at home hanging out, Jesus Christ is not sending you that letter. He wants you to not forsake the assembling together of ourselves. He warned us, he told us, it's good to be in church, brothers and sisters, and you made the right decision this morning. Praise God. Amen. I can amen y'all for that. Amen. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, I'm not going to describe what this is because God, the Lord God, Jesus Christ, is about to do it at the end of this chapter as we close. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, that would be Jesus Christ, clothed with the garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. So when John turns, and he hears his voice, I want you to write these seven churches. He turns, and he sees Jesus Christ. He sees these seven golden candlesticks. He sees these uh, seven golden candlesticks around Jesus Christ, and he sees Jesus Christ, but his hair now is white as wool. And he sees that his feet are like brass. He sees that he has a golden girdle. He sees that his eyes are as a flame of fire. Brothers and sisters, when you study your Bible out, starting in Daniel chapter 7, that's judgment. That's Jesus Christ coming as a judge. See that flame of fire? That's judgment. 
See that hairs were white like wool? If you turn to Daniel 7 and read that, you'll see that it talks about the ancient of days came and his hair was white as wool and he sat in judgment as he judged the whole world. That's in Daniel chapter 7. So this speaks to judgment. Even to this day, the English judges, if you go over to England and look at the English judges, they will wear white wigs, wool wigs. Why do they do that as they sit in judgment? Because that comes straight out of the Bible. That comes straight out of the Bible. A judge has white wool. That's why they would do that. You ever wonder that? That's why they're doing it. They're there in verse 14. He sees all this in verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars. He's going to explain what those are in a minute. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. What is that? That's the word of God. So he turns and he sees this guy and he sees Jesus Christ. And I, I already described him, but after he sees the flaming fire on his eyes, he sees a sharp two-edged sword. That's the word of God. We know that out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. That's the word of God. That's, of course, Jesus Christ is the word of God, spoken and written. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And he turns and he sees all this, but it's so bright, his eyes start squinting, he can't see. It's so bright. What's interesting about that is our Lord and Savior, all through the Bible, is described as the sun, S-U-N. In Malachi chapter 4, it says Jesus Christ is going to rise with, it says the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, rises with healing in his wings. That's Jesus Christ. See, when a, the Bible says that the whole creation, it preaches the gospel. It preaches Jesus Christ. The whole creation speaks to mankind. So if you're over in Africa and you go out this evening, you'll see that sun go down. As that sun goes down, it starts turning red, blood red. That speaks to the, that speaks to the crucifixion. That speaks to the cross. Then it goes down and it's hidden. That speaks to the burial of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's gone for a little while. And the next morning, you see the sun come up and those bright red rays come up. And that sun starts rising. And we say, that's the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, as he walked on this world, in this world, he said, I am the light of the world. What's the light of the world? That's the sun, S-U-N. I'm the light of the world. When I saw him, verse 17, this, this is what any of us would probably do. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Yeah, I would, he fainted. Wouldn't you? You see all this stuff? I would probably just, oh, I'd just faint, you know. Knees knocked together. Probably wet my pants or something and just fall there. Right, boom, right there. You ought, to, you ought to come pick me up. And he laid his right hand upon It's always the right hand. Notice that. When Jesus Christ is doing something good, it's always the right hand. He puts the sheep on the right hand. The goats that are cursed, he puts them on the left hand. That's why the Satanists today, to this day, the Satanists today will say we're following the left-handed path. That's the left hand. But Christ, he's always using the right hand for good. With his right hand, he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Don't be afraid. i got everything under control. And that's what he's telling every Christian in here this morning. I don't know what you're going through. There's a lot of us going through some illnesses, a lot of us going through some financial problems, emotional pain. Whatever you might be going through this morning, Christ is here to tell you, the Lord's here to tell you, I got this. I'm the first and the last. Don't be afraid. I got a plan. I'm working it out in your life. What if God just kills me? You'll be up in heaven. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God, Brother Stewart. We're about to have that, that procedure. If we kick the bucket on the table, brother, I'll see you in heaven. Praise God. 
Y'all can, can put up with Biden. Y'all can put up with $4 gas. Y'all can put up with taxes. Y'all can put up with the LBGQT community. Y'all can put up with all the nonsense that y'all are dealing with. I'll be gone. I'll be clicking my heels. Great reunion. If it makes you feel any better, I won't, I, I'll feel bad for you that you're still stuck down here if that makes you feel better. But you're not allowed to commit suicide or anything. You've got to pay it out, man. You've got to wait till the Lord pulls your number. You're not allowed to do that. Verse 18. Lord says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Amen. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. That's your Savior. That's what separates them out. I named all these religions. I named all these uh, false uh, prophets, all these false supposedly saviors. And the one thing you will notice about all these false ones I notice out, they're all dead and they're staying dead and they're never coming up, including Muhammad. Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive forevermore, and when you pray to him this morning, you're praying to a risen Savior. You don't have to come to me and pray through me. Jesus Christ can hear you right where you're at. If you want to call for salvation, say, Lord, I just want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Please save me, Lord. The Lord will hear you right there in your pulpit, in your pew, and save you right there. Praise God, he will. That's how our Savior works. Because he's alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. So he got the keys. He went down into the lower parts of the earth, according to Ephesians 4. He got the keys. He's got the keys to hell. Hell has gates. The Bible talks about those gates. He's got those keys. So, man, he's got the keys. I remember hearing about this black man, and he was being uh, harassed by this Catholic priest. And the Catholic priest says, we got the keys. You've got to come through our church. We've got the keys. The Lord Jesus Christ gave the keys to Peter which he didn't, but that's what the Catholic Church teaches. We got the keys, so you must come through us. And they kept harassing this black man, and this black man finally got tired of it. He goes, listen, I don't need the keys. I got the door. Amen. That's good preaching. I don't need the keys. I got the door. And that door is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I am the door. Verse 19, write the things which I have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So he's going to write some stuff for us, prophesying. Verse 20, and we're closing out, guys. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. Can I stop here and just say this? If you, if, you, if you see something, especially prophecy in Daniel or in Revelation, and you read it and you're like, what is that? If you'll just keep reading, a lot of times the Bible will describe what that was you're seeing. You'll be amazed how many times the Bible will interpret itself. Not every time, but a lot of times. The mystery of the seven stars that thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. Okay, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. He says I, he's got those stars in his hand. These are the angels of the seven churches. So angels in the Bible represented by stars. And the Bible says every church, from this we can surmise that every church, every one of those seven churches had an angel that God put in it. So I can, I can almost guarantee you through scripture that this church here has got an angel that's over it that takes care of this church, that reports to God, tells what's going on, maybe builds a hedge of protection around it. I drove up this morning, there's a beer, big old beer box laying there in the front of the church. So uh, I said, well, I can't have that. Maybe the angel kicked it out there to the curb. I don't want anybody to think we've been out here drinking. So I grabbed that beer box and I'm walking by, walking down the road with this beer box there. Here comes this car, and I wave at him and I'm thinking, what an idiot. Like, look, the pastor over there eating gas, been out there drinking, you know. So then I get, this, I get fearful, and I come up the, up the thing, and I'm like, well, I can't go into the church with it and throw it away. Somebody say, who's been drinking in the church? 
That's how rumors get started. So I said, well, I don't want to take it home and put it in my trash can. Because then the trash man will say, well, the pasture's been drinking. I've seen it come out. I've seen the river. So what I did is I hid it in a Joker's. I hid it in your truck, brother. So you did take one. Take one for the team, brother. <laughs> the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. What's interesting about that? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. City of angels. That's Spanish for city of angels. And what do we find in Los Angeles? What's Los Angeles known for? Movie stars. Stars. Pretty interesting. Seven stars, which represent angels, are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So those seven candlesticks represent the churches. Jesus Christ is in the midst of them. And then we're going to see that these angels are over every one of these churches. And that's what John is seeing. Now, from here on out, what he's going to do for the next two chapters, Jesus Christ is about to judge these churches. And when I get back to study, uh, preaching on this, and we get back to this, I don't know when it'll be. When we get back to this, you'll see Jesus Christ judge these seven churches and we're going to see ourselves as a church and as a people in these seven churches. And we're going to see church history played out in these seven churches. That's what you have. That's what he's telling John. Write this down. I'm getting ready. But I'm here to tell you, if the candlestick is not burning, it's because Jesus Christ is not there. The Holy Spirit's left it. I ran into some churches that uh, they have the same Bible. They sing the same hymns. Good people in the church. You walk in there, it's like, man, this thing is as dead as a doorknob. It's cold as a tomb. And the only thing I can think of is like the Lord's not here. If the candlestick's been took away. Why did the candlestick get took away? Pastor, I'll tell you why the candlestick got took away. When you read Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, Jesus Christ is going to tell you. He's going to warn them. If you don't do this, I'm going to do that. If you do this, I'm not going to do that. He's judging them. And it'd be good. It'd be good for us. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we're about to give an invitation. We give an invitation every Sunday. No matter if I have visitors or not, whoever's here, I give an invitation. This invitation is simply an opportunity to take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's a quick invitation. We'll get up and sing in a couple of minutes. And then I, if you think you've been led by the Lord to get saved, you're not saved, you want to come on down, just come on down here. And uh, just, just, I believe in a confession, public confession. Jesus Christ says, confess me before man, I'll confess you before the Heavenly Father. Deny me before man, he said, I'll deny you before the Heavenly Father. I believe a person should make a confession. But simply put is, this gives you an opportunity to come down and get saved. If you want to come down on the altar and pray about something, the prayer altar is always open. Either way, we're about to have an invitation. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Cast in all your care upon him.